0: With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are YWales.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, YWales. My name is Siva Avaru, Managing Director of YWale Solutions, and I am joined by my fantastic guest and co-host... Jessica Billingsley, board member of Y Whales. Jessica, how are you doing today?
2: I'm having a fantastic day. How about you, Siva?
1: Good, good. And we're, we're, we're going to dive deep into the word of, of world of online commerce here. And we're joined by uh, uh, our guest, Chris Schmidt, CEO and founder of Parallel. It's Chris, how are you doing today? Hi. Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Chris, we're excited to have you as a guest. So maybe for our listeners here, because I think the majority of our listeners probably have not heard of Parallel, you can give some insight into what Parallel is as a platform.
3: Yeah, so Parallel is a social commerce platform that curates your shopping experience to show you people with similar body size to yourself. Um, And then you can see what they're wearing and the size that they wore. And this actually allows you to find the right size before you buy uh, clothing online. Uh, and this helps reduce return rates and increase sat, uh, customer satisfaction.
1: Well, so something more powerful than the generic sizing charts on, a, on online, right? If I go to Zara or H and M and I try to buy a large T shirt and I don't know if it's truly large or, or or what have you, I have to base it off the measurements. How how, how does Parallel kind of uh, you know satisfy that that gap, so to speak?
3: Yeah. So. We, we view size guides as trash. They're absolutely useless. Um, and that's basically what everyone feels uh, towards that. And um, the not knowing what size to buy is actually the biggest problem for apparel e-commerce companies. And the stat that we keep looking at is 40% of purchases made online are returned. And of those 40%, 60% are due to wrong size. Um, so what I can do is I can quickly jump into parallel, kind of show you how this works and uh, kind of show you the magic.
1: Yeah, let's take a look. Yeah. I'm one of those people. When I order a shirt online (laughs) from something I haven't tried in person, I order five versions of it, see if it's which size fits me best, and I return the others. And then maybe, you know, I might like how it fits. Maybe I don't.
3: Yeah. The, um, online stores uh, they despise you as a customer having all those free returns <laughs> so so we're out there to, to solve this and uh, really the solution that we look at is when you typically buy a shirt online you go to the product page you go go down the review section and you're looking for those comments that say you know I'm 510 170 pounds I bought a medium and it fit me and so sort of you trying to emulate what someone else like yourself is wearing. Uh, is actually the best way to buy online. So here's Parallel. Uh, This is our desktop. We do have an app in the iOS App Store. Um, And when you get to the homepage, you have this really interesting Instagram-ish inspired uh, feed, uh, sort of like a Pinterest inspiration, exploration, discovery. Uh, You can actually click on uh, the photos and you can see exactly uh, what this uh, creator is wearing, where she bought her items. Um, And then when you get down to someone, you can actually click on that photo and see their measurements and your measurements. You can compare uh, those sizes. Uh, So here is Yun. Um, I'm a little bit taller taller than him. We have a similar chest size, similar waist size, similar sleeve inseam and hips. So we're actually very similar as people uh, in terms of dimensions. And so how clothing fits Yun will be very similar to me. So Yun has actually done the work. Uh, If I like those pants, he's linked that up to Banana Republic. I can go through and I can actually purchase that item. Uh, And we have actually affiliate partnerships with 3,500 brands around the world. Um, I'll show you where the magic happens. So when you sign up for Parallel, it's free. Uh, You can create an account. And if you want to upload your photos, you can definitely do that. Um, but I was just going to jump into the measurement section. And so let me just jump through here. So this is the magic. This is our AI system that we built over the course of three years. Um, And what we've built is this ability to upload two photos of yourself. So a front and a side facing photo. Typically you'd be doing this on your phone, but I just have my photos on my desktop. A few comments about the photos, Uh, the background doesn't matter. We use AI to take care of the background. Uh, Our system is so accurate that if you have your phone in your your pocket, it will actually make that thigh that much bigger. Uh, It's 98% accurate compared to 3D body scan, which is just world-class inaccuracy. Uh, The pose you're standing in, we know that humans are really bad at following directions. So we've built an AI system that accepts a wide range of inputs. So as long as you're doing what I'm doing in a similar fashion, it's going to work. Um, And there's no LIDAR, it's just two JPEG images. The mindset when we build product at Pluto is it has to be simple enough for my mom to use it, Mm. full stop. If my mom can't use it, we're not shipping that product. So you upload your two photos, um, you put your height in, and then you hit submit. Um, and basically in a few seconds, we will analyze those photos and we'll actually generate your body measurements. Uh, and we'll attach those measurements. That that was pretty quick. This is a live demo, by the way, this is like live on the site. Um, what we've done is chest, sleeve, waist, inseam, and hips. Those measurements, um, have been attached to my profile. They're really accurate. You can take a tape measure out, measure me. They're going to be basically spot on. Um, and so what's happened is now that my profile has my measurements, I go shopping, I can curate my feed to show me people with my size. So I'm going to quickly jump over to the page here, I'm going to toggle this button, and now my feed is being curated to show me just users with my similar body size. So all these people have a similar body size to me. I can click on a photo, let me click on this guy. And Sam has uploaded his items, he's tagged what he's wearing, uh, and then I can buy those items. Uh, So that's kind of Parallel in a nutshell.
2: Have you had any pushback at all for folks uh, generating their measurements?
3: So we haven't, surprisingly. We were uh, initially quite, um, I wouldn't say scared is, is the right word, but we were concerned when we launched this AI tool with Parallel that there would be pushback. And the reason we don't is when we were building our AI system, we were thinking through all those user experiences that may have pushbacks. So, for instance, we understand that not every user is comfortable wearing skin tight outfits to take photos and submit online. So, we actually built an AI module on top of our system that accepts more baggy clothing. So, hoodie, jeans, more baggy clothing that someone might be comfortable submitting. And our AI will actually infer your body measurements under that baggier clothing. Um, so, we kind of worked through all those kinks that would have pushbacks. Um, and we did all the testing for Three and a half years. Uh, this wasn't something we just built in a month and then shipped. Uh, we wanted to make sure that ninety nine point five percent of the population can use the system uh, with high levels of accuracy. So uh, it, it's been really really smooth and uh, parallel uh, exploded. It's uh, it's in one hundred ninety one countries around the world. It went very uh, it went international very 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 quickly. Uh, we lean into diversity. We embrace body diversity. It's not just a site for beautifully Instagram photoshopped models. Uh, it's everyday people uh, from the ages of 13 to 70 are on the site. So it's it's this really interesting platform that that's evolving.
1: I, I have so many questions to dive into the platform, but before we do that, maybe let's a little bit learn uh, more about yourself, your background, how you got. I mean. I, I don't, no one just goes in and says, I'm going to correct sizing for online e commerce, right? You, you, you have to be rooted in, in some sort of foundation before that. So, um, have you, have you, tell me your background in terms of building products, deploying SaaS mm-hmm. modules, online websites, what have you.
3: Yeah, this is not my first rodeo. Uh, I started building my first company uh, actually 20 years ago uh, when I was 10 years old. Uh, That company is still operating today. Uh, I live in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Fun fact about Winnipeg is we have the largest urban uh, forest in the the world. So that means it's the most amount of trees within our city. And the company I started 20 years ago uh, is the largest company that protects our trees against uh, Dutch elm disease. Um, It's it's a side business that I built the tech to fully automate that company. uh, But I just keep doing that. It's doing something good for the city Um, I went through university, I was supposed to go into medicine, my whole family, everyone's a physician, they're kind of stuck in a rut. Uh, I decided, I did the MCAT, I was on the doorstep to medicine, and then I decided to start another company called Geofilter Studio. Uh, This was back in March of 2016. And if you used any Snapchat filters between March of 2016 and and 2020, um, those were made by my company. So Geofilter Studio was Canada's fastest growing company in 2017 we went from zero to 85 employees in 12 months. We had no investors, no debt, cash positive on day one all the way through. Um, And that company was acquired about four years ago. And during that company, when I was building the Google advertisements and the Facebook advertisements, One little flex that that I can sort of brag about is my Google ad campaign for that company um, is world-class. And I was actually called by Google and they said that you've built the best Google ad campaign ever. It's actually the case study at Google today to teach people how to build Google ad campaigns. And so I was looking at the data that Google was capturing and I was noticing there was this one data point that they don't have. And it's the last data point to fully customize goods and services. So Google knows everything about you, just sort of accept it, um, but they don't know your body dimensions. And that is the last piece of information they need, or Facebook needs, to be able to say, here's an advertisement, you should buy this brown leather jacket, but they don't know your your body size. They can't say you should buy this large brown leather jacket. So, I built Pluto uh, in 2018. I started building Pluto in 2018, five and a half years ago, with this very simple thesis: that says I want to capture human body dimensions in a highly scalable way through a phone. And the best way to do that, three D body scanners, that's not scalable. You can't send everyone in Winnipeg or the world to a three D body scanner. So we built a AI model. I thought it was going to take six months to build it. It took us three and a half years all the data sets, everything custom-built in-house. Um, and then that kind of led us to an AI tool. And the misconception is that AI to, uh, an AI tool is not a business. And so we had to take that tool and do something with it. And I, when I build a company, I'm always looking for problems to solve. And the biggest problem for shopping online and consumer uh, shopping is not knowing what size to buy. So that sort of deviated a few iterations of different products and boom. Uh, parallels born and um, that's kind of where we're at today
2: what is exciting about this problem for you like what what is Ooh. what's personal or exciting or why why is this something you want to solve
3: yeah um, so every business I've built I've sort of' um, scaled up, to, I guess, sort of the problem and the impact that I'm trying to uh, trying to make. And the environmental impact of, of high return rates is just staggering. Um, and the, the the challenge of this problem, which is the biggest problem for every e-commerce brand in the world, um, that tickles my brain as hey, that's like a good challenge to wake up to, to try to solve every day. Um, so I'm attracted to, I guess, highly challenging problems. And I believe I have a skill set to solve it. So that's kind of where I want to focus. Um, like I said, I started five and a half years ago when AI was not this sexy thing. Um, we are an AI company. We just happen to be the right time, right place now. But um, I, I, I like to solve problems, big problems. And
1: It's interesting because... Online sizing, as you mentioned, is so it's it's not standardized, right? I could, you know, no. I'm 5'8, I'm I could stand next to a 5'8 person, I'm 165 pounds, but my muscular, you know, structure is different. And so a large for me is probably different than a large for mm-hmm. someone that is my, you know, similar size. And then the brands themselves, right? The way that they yeah. define their sizing and you off, I often have to look up, you know, what are the different inch measurements or centimeter measurements, and do those match up with mine? And then even then, when I go and buy something, there is an assumed cost for me to go and get those tailored even further to actually match my frame. Um, how do you, how do you, kind of, not from the consumer perspective, even though consumer perspective is the most important here, but from a brand perspective? How do you kind of integrate with existing brands with your platform? Because most brands right now, if I go to Zara online, if I go to Banana Republic online, I default to the sizing chart. So how does a brand leverage parallel to then offer, hey, Chris, these are your measurements, these are your dimensions, this is what clothing or articles most likely match up to your dimensions. Because even within a brand, I have an inventory that fits so many different size types right? Slim, athletic, I'm I'm only speaking from a guy's mm-hmm. perspective. I, <laughs>
2: I know <it>. I like <laughs> how you're like oh, you know depending on my musculature <laughs> and I have to get everything tailored. And so what I'm hearing is there's maybe a really nice uh, add-on uh, service aspect where this gets drop shipped to uh, a tailor who then custom tailors and ships it directly to you. I'd love to skip that step of going to the tailor myself.
1: Yeah, but but yeah. especially for women, right? Mm-hmm. The varying the sizing is. I know oh. with my wife is just her shoe size as a uh, you know I'm not gonna say her shoe size online but uh, you know is, for one <laughs> that was is probably is-
2: safe <laughs> <laughs> there's some other sizes that are maybe not so safe but but that one's safe anyway I know where you're coming from I'm a rock climber and so I have a hard time finding mm-hmm. blazers that fit me because I'm more muscular in the shoulders and arms than the rest of my frame for for a blazer so like you I just you assume are- well, I'm going to the tailor for as soon as I buy this, I add on that cost.
3: Yeah, the inconsistency <laughs> among retailers. I mean, there is no consistency. Um, there is no standard uh, for sizing. And we're kind of coming at it from this interesting perspective of, um, we're almost saying we don't care what size you the, the retailer wants to, to select. I mean, by all means, call it fruits like watermelon, oranges, like you're a size watermelon, you're a size orange. What we're doing, which is really interesting, is the data side that we're collecting on the back end actually allows us to kind of circumvent the size, guys. So for instance, if you are at a brand that they're sizing completely won- wonky, as long as you know based on your measurements and someone else that is wearing a size from that brand and their measurements, then it actually doesn't matter um, because you can infer what size you should be. Uh, by seeing someone else with with, um, with, uh, that size of clothing on. So if you have really broad shoulders, you come to parallel, you'll find someone else with really broad shoulders, and then you'll see all the brands that they shop from and all the sizes that they wear. And it doesn't matter anymore. If you're a zero or a six or a 12 or a 200, um, it doesn't actually matter because we're using the data to standardize it kind of from behind the scenes. Um, So that's kind of our view perspective. and. There's a difference between fit and style. So fit um, is all this people are trying to solve the fit problem, where you're five ten, 170 pounds, you wear a large. Um, but the, the challenge is that people understand is that style is what actually influences how it looks. So you could have two people, exact same body size. One person likes a tight fit. One guy likes, or the other person likes a more baggy fit. And so with parallel. You have that option by just seeing, oh, there's someone same size as me, tight-fitting shirt. I like tight-fitting shirts. I wear that size. Uh, so we're sort of, we don't even care what size the retailer has anymore, um, because we're just going to show you people with your body type.
1: And, I mean, what you just demoed, those were individuals submitting. So it's it's, it's right. not, you know, the brand sponsoring these, or, or maybe they are if they're, you know, an ambassador or an influencer for the retailer. But those are, you know, I could say, hey, I really like these brands, Siva, and I want other people with similar, so I can join your platform and start uploading my sizes. And then, how do you incentivize that? Because there's, there's probably a community aspect to this. There's probably some sort of referral or you know, direct to fulfillment aspect to this with the retail. Like you're, you're trying to harvest what is the hardest data point, which is user provided input into the platform
3: yeah um you're right so all the content on parallel is user generated um you know we are trying to build one of the most difficult um, services platforms which is a three-sided marketplace we have creators we have shoppers and we have brands um, and all of them have different incentives and so we spend a lot of time I really enjoy this aspect of building parallel thinking about the gamification effects to drive incentives for different pillars of the business and so yeah creators you know they're on the platform very frankly, to make money, um, whereas brands are there for exposure and sales and shoppers are there to find the right size. And so we have built these, um, I guess, flywheels to drive these incentives. Um, and it's, it's quite an interesting, even psychological aspect that we think about uh, how to drive incentive for different user groups.
2: So a question for you on, you, you mentioned it took you uh, three and a half years to get this AI engine working yeah. the way that you wanted it to. It, what's the secret sauce there and how much of a moat has that created for you? And and how do you think about uh, the, these just light year leaps that AI is making every six months and how you continue mm-hmm. to stay ahead of the curve running an AI company?
3: Yeah, Um So at the end of the day, our data sets is really the IP. Um, You know, you can't just go online and find the data sets. Uh, We built them in house, custom. Um, And so when you think about the moat, I get asked this question uh, quite often. And and honestly, my response is: Anyone else that wants to go and build what we built, go for it. Good luck. It was hell. It was like really hard. It was hundred hour work weeks for. You know, three and a half years with the best engineers uh, that I can find. So this isn't just something that you roll over tomorrow, build the same system, and voila, uh, you're competing with us. So it is our technical moat, um, but we do have to, we're always iterating, we're always building more AI. Uh, The entire site, there are dozens and dozens of AI components in the site, all the feeds, all the recommendation, uh, uh, photo analysis, imaging analysis, all that is, is happening behind the scenes. Uh, it's not just as it's not as obvious as maybe the photo upload system. Um, the evolution of AI, you know, I've been in it for five and a half years now. Mainstream is just noticing it now and saying, "Holy crap!" You know, this is moving really, really, really mm-hmm. quick. Um, it's been moving quick for years, uh, and um, ChatGPT was really the first instance when the average uh, person saw a application using AI. But Google search and, and your recommendation feed on Facebook and Instagram, those have been AI models for, for 10 years. Um, so for us, we, we don't really have a mindset of um, we're not chasing anyone. We're not trying to emulate someone else. We have a vision. It's very clear. We know what we want to get to. So we just keep building and iterating. Um, and we're not trying to chase someone else and try to keep up with them. So for us, you know, we just we try to get to the end goal. Um, and we just keep building along the way, but um, it's it's a different mindset where competitors sure come and go, but um, we, we really have a strong fundamental belief of what we're trying to do.
1: Maybe I'll ask a, a pretty basic and dumb question to you here. And, and when you mention AI, everyone is using AI, AI as, a, as a buzzword, as a keyword right now. And, you know, I think most people, you know, it's it's June of 2023. When people think AI, the first thing that comes to mind is ChatGPT. This is not something that I could just go and run a prompt and say, hey, go replicate uh, Parallels platform and build me, you know, just kind of like how a lot of these ChatGPT software platforms are being created out of thin air. They're relying on the AI to create it, right? Now that's different, that's right. right? And so when you say AI, is it the implementation of a large language model similar to Bard, similar to ChatGPT? Mm-hmm. Is it like what aspects of AI are true AI that are parring the back end of Parallel?
2: And can I yeah. interject there? Yeah. Just how yeah. much of it is machine learning from these data sets versus AI? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think um, people are definitely oversimplifying AI. Um, and what AI actually is, which is, you know, uh, train. I mean, at the very basic level, it's, you know, training neural networks, very similar to your brain, uh, to be able to learn and infer future tasks uh, based on previously learned, um, I guess, uh, data sets. And um, so, for instance, within parallel and sorry, of why I mentioned early on in the podcast that AI is a tool is... AI is used in many capacities. So for instance, when when you upload a photo to to Parallel, uh, we use AI just to determine if a a human is in the photo. Now, human detection AI is nothing fancy. It's been around for 10, 15 years, maybe even more. Um, But it's how you use AI in sequence for different... um, So the, the body upload system has a lot of AI modules in it um, and where we, we add, where the value actually comes from AI is when you can actually capitalize on those AI models. Um, I think there's sort of this fad happening now where someone starts a company and says, hey, we're an AI company uh, and we can do this, this, this. That's great, um, but what's your business? How are you actually going to utilize that AI? So mm-hmm. uh, it's a very buzzwordy thing at the moment. I know people that are just slamming AI into their pitch decks uh, at the moment, and just trying to AI everything to to raise capital, um, and that's not the way to go. The people that are truly in the industry can see the smoke and mirrors, um, and I, I think it's if I think the winners and losers are going to come out very soon um, in the next couple of years.
1: As you guys were kind of prototyping the model, I'm, I'm sure you know a lot of user testing, a lot of B testing, a lot of you know data point testing. Mm. What are some of the most interesting insights? And 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 not insights when the platform was live, once you got the creators and the the users in there, but as you were going through this process, what were some mm-hmm. things that you were learning, maybe from a body measurement uh, perspective, but also from a technical capability perspective that you didn't foresee or initially plan to encounter?
3: Okay. I love that question because that touches on uh, the limitations of AI. So AI is amazing and very um, Scoped settings. And as soon as it has to deviate from that very specific task, AI is quite dumb. So, for instance, um, if you train an AI model on what an apple looks like, you could give it thousands of apples and say, This is different types of apples. If you show that AI model in orange, it has no idea what that thing is. So, it's very scoped and limited. Um, and that was an interesting uh, sort of curve that we went through when we we're building our data set where the human body, when you look at different ligaments, the the, the size, the girth of different bones, it vastly um, expands beyond what you can actually uh, feasibly imagine. So the the progression of our AI tool was the first year was simply proving out if this was even feasible. Like That's actually how we started. We didn't actually think our idea was feasible. We got to an idea of, okay, this can work. Let's get a prototype out. That took us a, a, a whole year to do. And after that second year, we realized our system was really good on the middle deviation, so one deviation of the population. So I'm very average. I'm five ten, uh, about 170 pounds, and so I am the definition of a, the average male in North America. So as soon as you go to different countries, the average male in, in Europe, or in Africa, or, or in, in Asia, it's quite different. And so we found out very quickly that our system sucked on people outside of the average deviation of North Americans. And so I had a friend come in who's a basketball player, really lanky arms, six foot four, the system didn't know what to do with them. So we spent a whole year, so that's year three, enhancing our data sets. And what we did was we went through every bone in the body. We determined what would be three to four standard deviations of the population across every country in the world that that bone could potentially be, the, the girth, the length, everything that might be. And we wanted to make sure that our data set had that data in it, so that our system has seen every type of body imaginable. Uh, that's year one, two, three, and we got it the other end and we turned it on and it works really well. Uh, <laughs> but it was obsessive, meticulous uh, work for three and a half years. And um, to be totally honest, I'm the dumbest person in my company. I only hire smarter people. Uh, so I had some really, really smart people
1: working on this project. So, so what you created essentially is a new set of IP around a referential data set, right? Because you're, you're, uh, you're, you're referring existing data sets of other countries. You know, this is, I'll yeah. use Indian because I'm Indian. Uh, you know, this is what, you know, the Indian metrics or numbers are for the average male yeah. and average female. But no one's forecasted deviations, right? Everyone's capturing oh. average, right? And maybe outliers right. if they've been captured, mm-hmm. West, North, right. America. and that's probably most of the referential data that most of the brands are using today for yeah. the production of their clothing and so now is that true do you have a a, a new data set that is referential that, that is kind of your secret sauce as well it's your it's your IP
3: yeah the, the data point that we have that no brand has ever had is we have the true data point of what is the average waist size of a 27 year old male buying h m's t-shirts in Winnipeg? How does that compare to someone in in Sydney or Nigeria or, you know, Antarctica? Um, And the other data point that we have is that user that is buying the Zara t-shirts, we know all the other brands and all the other sizing that that user is also wearing. So when you think of marketing tactics for Zara, we have a data point where if you're trying to expand your marketing initiatives and find a new segment to market to, in let's say Facebook re, uh, retargeting, if we ca- if we if we came back to Zara and said um, most 25 to 30 year old ma- males in Canada buying your shirt are also wearing Mizuno runners, Zara should be running an ad in Canada against Mizuno runners for 25 to 30 year old males because that's actually their new segment of the population that sh- they should be advertising against. So the data we have is like really 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 powerful. Um, we're a team of 13. Uh, we can only do so much. Um, so we actually haven't began to commercialize outside of the business, but that's that's in the plans.
2: Very exciting. As you were doing this work, uh, call it the worldwide work around uh, bones and links and different standard deviation measurements, did you find that there were other cultural considerations you needed to take into account for the software to to go global, to, to be in 191 countries?
3: Yeah, um, we were noticing how, um, a- as people age, the way that they store fat um, on their body changes. So the way that a 25-year-old male stores excess fat is different than a 55-year-old male. So um, just even uh, ensuring that all the body types were inclusive. and. Um, and even a challenge that that we act that that drove my team nuts for a very long time was um, the curvature in a back. Um, so when you think of AI models, you want to really standardize inputs because that's the mm-hmm. best chance that the AI is going to do a really good job. Um, and so when when someone comes through with potentially a curvature in their back, um, you know, not having the system automatically straighten them out to increase the accuracy of the input. Um, is actually really, really difficult. And so knowing when, you know, when you're taking your photos, you could just have someone that just casually is leaning to their side. We can use AI to straighten them out. But if they actually have the, the curvature as part of their, their body, you know, don't straighten them out. So there, there's, all, there's all these challenges, um, you know, small things such as the processing time to process hands and feet
0: mm. from a,
3: um, a vortex perspective on a 3D mask is immense. So what we do is when you come through our AI system, we actually chop your hands and your feet off, and we actually chop your head off as well. And so that actually allows us to increase the the speed of our AI models uh, because the amount of data points in your hands and feet so far surpass the rest of your body. Um, so it's just Basically kind of things batch, like that. batch processing images.
2: Yeah. It'd be cuter if we you did a bag re- over everybody's head,
3: though. <laughs> <laughs> not, it's kind of creepy, but we actually reattach hands and feet once you finish the system. Mm. Uh, we use gen- generic models and actually reattach them back to you. So, um, yeah, just like weird, quirky things like that. But that, you know, 10x the speed of our AI models, not having to process hand and feet. So, you know, its it's a lot of tedious work and it's really smart people working a lot behind the scenes.
1: So, so you're building this product, you know, platform, three years in the making, and eventually you had to flip the switch, or, or maybe that was yeah. in year two or what have you. But when did you feel that your model was ready uh, to actually start being exposed to the public, to actually become, you know, to start on your business, so to speak? Like, what was that inflection point?
3: Yeah. Um, so, Jessica, you sort of mentioned at the beginning, sort of that pushback and that fear that we potentially had when you launch, this, when you launch this type of system. Terrible things could go wrong. You know, if people are coming through the system and we're saying they're three, six, 12 inches bigger than they are, um, you're dealing with body images and, and very, very personal measurements. And so you have to be right. And we, it's not an understatement that the day we launched Parallel that had this AI tool in it, we honestly just held our breath and we waited for someone to email us yelling their head off being like, you guys, like your AI system like doesn't work. Like it made me like really big or really small or this measurement's off. Um, fingers crossed, we haven't had that issue yet. So what we did was our, our strong point at Pluto is, is product development, specifically AI development and um, I guess consumer products. And so honestly at the end of the day, I feel really comfortable what we're building in our skill set. And when we launched, uh, I felt good about what we we're doing um, and we obsessed over every detail. So there wasn't really too much worry on the pushback and um, and we just continue to improve every day and iterate on the data coming in and keep making the, the product better. What's, what's, oh. a,
2: what's the next stuff on your roadmap? What are some of your aspirations?
3: Yeah, so... Um, We organically grew. We're sitting at about 125,000 users at the moment. Uh, No marketing spend, purely organic. Um, And so we're sort of at this point where we built a product. When when you look at our data and our metrics, our user growth, engagement, retention, core core metrics of a social commerce platform, they're very good. And we're looking at this and we're saying, wow, uh, we have the ability to build the next big platform. We have a long ways to go. Uh, but when you actually look at opportunities for building a company and the sky is the limit, this is the true definition of the sky's the limit. We've worked five and a half years, really hard to get to this point. Um, we're just wrapping up. We, uh, I just closed an investor yesterday. We're just trying to wrap up our seed round to kind of get that finished. And then the next phase for us is let's get to a few million users um, and then let's just keep pumping this and keep going forward. So um, every every day it's hundred percent parallel is the focus.
1: And, and, and what is that, whatever you can lend publicly, you know, what is that plan to acquire those next million users or so? What is that customer acquisition yeah. market strategy? So we
3: use TikTok to get the first uh, set of users. Um, there's a individual at the office. He's actually a, uh, still a university student that runs our TikTok account. He has over 200 million views and almost 700,000 followers. Um, he's very good at making TikTok videos. So we've used him as the initial very broad marketing awareness where he's getting more he gets more views than Fox and CNN combined a day on his TikTok videos. And then a percentage of those click through our bio to a link, come to our website, a percentage signs up and become users. So that's been sort of the, the general broad awareness to get to 125,000 users. One of the metrics that's really exciting for us is every user that joins a platform invites on average three and a half other users. So we're in this world that we need to be building a product that self-populates and self-expands. We can't pay for every user acquisition uh, coming through. So we need to be building a product that's actually making uh, some impact and some value on users. So if you do the math at 125,000 users, ev- if every single user invited one friend, you're at a quarter million. If they all invite one friend, you are at 500. And if they all invite one friend, you're at a million. So you'll actually only need four kind of growth cycles to get to million users um, and that's only having every user invite one friend so our path to millions of users is there we just got to execute uh, and keep pushing every single day
1: you, one interesting thing about your platform that i was browsing and that you're kind of showing and, and as you're showing it i was thinking about it is Right now in social media, especially social media commerce, you know, and I'm thinking Instagram, TikTok, uh, maybe Facebook to agree, even Amazon, right? Because Amazon has become a social commerce platform with Amazon influencers. Mm-hmm. Um, is that individuals now have an opportunity to become influencers and creators and eventually you know, generate some revenue here. Your platform is interesting because... I have no intent of ever becoming an influencer or creator, but I probably have sizing measurements that might be helpful for other like-bodied individuals. And as a result, there's probably an opportunity for me to make money on your platform by providing my own photos and by somehow, you know, without any intent, becoming yeah. a creator influencer. That that's that's an appealing growth strategy as well because you're you're enabling others to become creators without, but with very minimal effort, right? No marketing. It's just, Hey, Mm -hmm. I just need to help others choose better sizes for their clothes. And that's a very easy value problem. Yeah.
3: We've essentially completely flipped the influencer creator world upside down where um, we've made everyone an influencer. We've actually had this really interesting integration with Instagram where you, with two clicks, you can upload a photo to Parallel. Pull it, we, actually, we can actually pull in your entire Instagram feed. So all the photos you've been posting on Instagram for years and years and years, not making a cent off them. Two clicks, they're into Parallel. You tag your outfits. And it's funny, we, we have um, Instagram influencers that have been posting on, on Instagram for years. They have made literally no money on Instagram. And within the first few days on Parallel, they're actually already making a, a few dollars. Um, and so you're absolutely right. We have, we actually have people um, that after school, they go to the mall, they go to the change room in the mall, they'll be taking photos of the latest Aritzia outfits or Club Monaco outfits. They'll go home, they don't buy a thing, they go home, they post those outfits on parallel. And now you have that random teenager in Winnipeg is now an Aritzia model. And every time someone shops through her post, she's making money. Um, And so there's this interesting cycle where you're absolutely right, where we've just basically flipped the whole world upside down. You don't need a million users anymore to become an influencer. Um, The the average person is just posting on Parallel um, and actually making some money. So uh, it's quite an interesting model. And that's why a lot of people are beginning to look at us saying, wow, um, you've come at this from an interesting perspective. And it's different from Instagram and Pinterest and all the other big uh, commerce platforms.
2: Right now, Maybe does not everyone- quite as many 50-year-olds going <laughs> to the mall with their fat deposits in their different places. Maybe not Not quite the same volume.
3: <laughs> you know what? I'm going to show you. Let me quickly jump over.
2: To oh, one he's going to prove me wrong. I love it. I'm <laughs> going to show you one of my
3: favorite uh, <laughs> creators. Um, he's been on the platform for quite a while. His name is Andrew G., um, and this is what I love. This sums up parallel and why I love parallel so much. Parallel is for the the average middle aged guy too. Um, and we've built a community where he feels like, look at these, look at these shots of like you talk about a creator. Um, that's just look at these photos. Um, yeah. And I can compare my measurements. So he is six feet. I'm only five he, ten. He's, he's a he's a bigger individual we have built an environment on Parallel where Andrew G feels comfortable posting his outfits. There's, there's no commenting, there's no DMing. There's none of that issue that, that social media has. Um, he feels comfortable. Um, another really interesting one, I'll just quickly jump over to Miriam. She's actually a physician in Toronto. Um, and she does this really interesting, uh, collection of outfits where she matches high end brands with everyday brands. Um, and so she's matching, you know, YSL uh, with Zara and H and M. And you know, this is this is a like I said, this is a, a physician that goes to the hospital every day. Uh, she has no intention to be a creator, um, and I think she has uh, almost a quarter million views on on her uh, profile. And so she has tons of great outfits, um, and everything's been tagged. And I'll show you one more really interesting creator, uh, Isabella. So she's actually from New York, um, and she has a really fun uh, theme and style to her. And she's one of our uh, big-time creators, and shes you can see all the brands that she's tagging. We can
1: jump into one of these. And so when, and she's when they're tagging these up, brands, yeah. uh, is that like... Your platform is already syndicating or crawling or capturing. Are you already are you connected to the brands directly? Like like what is because like you're showing this you know SM shoe, Steve Madden shoe, mm-hmm. um, and it's pulling points. You know the image, the the price point, yeah. color, the sizes that's available. Like that connection point is that going direct to Steve Madden website itself? Is that what it the is. user has inputted? Like. Oh, let me. Yeah, so
3: uh, that would link directly to Steve Madden's website, and you can buy that that shoe. Let me just quickly share my screen so that I can. Uh, I gotta share the entire uh, window. Here we go, because it was just the tab sharing before. So, uh, so yeah, here's just uh, a product, random product that we're gonna pull up. So here's the item. You can go shop now. Takes you directly to Steve Madden. Um, there we go. It's on sale for thirty bucks, and you can go and buy that item. So, what we've done is, um, we have... Let me jump back here. Uh, so, at the moment, we actually have, when you create a post on Parallel, you go and find that URL, and then you link it up to your product. That whole process is is it's definitely a friction point on, on when you're creating content on Parallel. So, what we've began to do is we've actually began to index every product on the internet into our database. So we sh- started with Shopify. We have about a million products now in our system. We've indexed all the Shopify. So when you come now wow. to post a brand, a product on, on Parallel from Shopify, you just will type in, you know what? Let me just show you. This is just the, uh, the beauty of the site is that we can just do live demos uh, and it works really well. So I'm going to jump over to create a post. I'm going to show you... Um, the Instagram feed right here. So I'm gonna pull in, here's my personal Instagram account. I can select a photo. Uh, This is coming off my Instagram page. So I'm gonna crop it. So there we go, it's in parallel. So I'd go through and I'd add a new item. Uh, So let's just say I know an Instagram uh, or a Shopify store is let's say Gymshark. So I'd select Gymshark. And now instead of having to go find that URL, this just launched last week. This is actually brand new, and this is quite magical. So we've indexed every product on wow, Gymshark. Shark. that's awesome. Wow. And I, I can just pick it. The, we've pulled in all the schema data. Uh, so it's all up here. you got the price, the URL, all the information. All that I have to do is really go through and set... You know, I'm wearing a size, let's say large, size large. Um, I just have to say that this is a male... Uh, let's see where uh, Pants... And these are, let's say, they're joggers. Uh, they're black. And uh, I can do a rating. And there we go. So I've added that item. So I've, in real time, uh, I've pulled in all the schema data from Gymshark. Uh, and now that is attached to my photo. Uh, and that's quite, uh, that actually just came out last week. So that's quite cutting edge.
1: That, that is amazing. We'll, we'll pause here real quick.
2: So, Chris, it seems you're a pretty committed entrepreneur at this point. Uh, you're on what company 234 hard to count at this point <laughs> three big ones anyway and how do you how do you think about that from a managing your life uh, apparently you're not supposed to call it balance anymore your life work ratio but but how do you how do you think about being able to continue to do it for the long term and and what keeps mm-hmm. what keeps you going in that respect
3: yeah, so what keeps me going is um, I'm fortunate I found what I really enjoy doing at an early age, and I, I don't take that for granted. So it, it's, it's a little weird. Uh, I really enjoy going from zero to one and building tech companies. Um, and at the, at the fundamental base of that is I, I really, really enjoy solving problems. And how I look at this from a long-term perspective is when you build a company, the mindset you're supposed to have is you're going to spend upwards of the next 10 years building that company on average. So um, as I turn 30 next month, my mindset is, if my wife allows me, I can work for another 60 years. And in those 60 years, I, on average, will only be able to solve six more problems in the world, 10 years company, six more companies. And as an entrepreneur, as someone who every single day thinks of a thousand companies that you should be building and, and improving the world and solving problems. The thought that you can only solve six more in your lifetime, um, that kicks you in the butt on Monday mornings to wake up and get to work because time is limited in a sense. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm sort of getting to this point of um, I under kind of understand the game and, and uh, how this works in terms of how do you like, what resources you need? What, how do you add value to people? And um I just I'm really excited at the possibility of only building six more companies, and I better make them six really good companies. So that's kind of what keeps me going. <laughs>
2: oh, I love it. I think that's six more companies. Yeah, you heard six, it here first. It. Everyone, pay attention. What do you do when you're not building companies? What else do you like? Oh. How do you how do you how do you smooth out?
3: <laughs> yeah. The um, so. I, uh, I, I really enjoy, I, I grew up playing a lot of sports, so I, I do a lot of running. I, I played basketball despite my height. Um, I played a lot of basketball growing up. Um, I, I just recently moved into a hundred-year-old house. So I now have an extensive house to-do list. Uh, so that keeps me going. Um, and then just at the end of the day, you know, friends and family, keeping up relationships, connecting with others. Um, I'm excited one day... Uh, to, to have kids of my own and have my own family. And I might start to slow things down at that point, but uh, especially in your twenties and now I'm getting out of my twenties, so I can't say this as much in, in, in a month from now, but I, I believe you, um, you know, everyone has a different degree of, of what they want to think of in terms of success and how much they want to work. I work hundred hours a week and I don't advise anyone else to doing the same. I really enjoy what I want to do. I have ambitious goals but you don't have to do what I do to be successful. Um, I envy the people that work 10, 20 hours a week. They make way way more money than me. They have work-life balance. Um, I'm the first to say I don't have work-life balance. Um, I have a a wife, uh, we just had our one year anniversary last Mm -hmm. week. Uh, She's been with me for nine years. She puts up with me, she tolerates me. I'm very uh, lucky I have a supportive wife and a supportive family. but I have just really ambitious goals and I just, uh, I need to have the support network around me to, to, to keep going.
1: That, that self-awareness is crucial. And that, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. most, most people, especially in our space, especially entrepreneurial and in spirit usually have blinders to that aspect. Right. But it's, uh, yes. I guess when you have built and, and two more successful companies that kind of gives you a, 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 a nice exposure and kind of revealing of, you know, what it is my faculties and my bandwidth allow me to, to actually be uh, leveraged against.
3: right. And and the decision, yeah, the decision a couple of years ago to make a social commerce platform, I was very hesitant because I understood this is one of the most significant undertakings I'll ever do. This is like a big project. Um, and I, I don't, I think, especially in, in, my generation, there's this mindset of being a a tech CEO is this sexy position. And uh, it's quite the opposite. You know, you're working every day, all day, Sunday night, Saturday mornings, you're always working. Uh, There's always problems. There's always issues. They're always, uh, as a CEO, you're at the top, problems stop at you. Um, And I I think it's really important to talk about how much work it takes. Uh, But it's incredibly satisfying. At the end of the day, you know, you reach milestones, 50,000 users, 100,000 users, you're raising capital, you're building a team. Um, there's all these very exciting moments along the journey. Um, and honestly, it's not the money. It's like I'd go work at Facebook or Google or some other place if I wanted the money. Uh, you do it for the the, the the challenge. I really like the challenge. It's really hard. I can't <laughs> underestimate like, how hard it
1: is. It's really yeah, hard. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and that's, not, that's not light, right? I, and there's a... There's a There's a whole different level of life, you know, bandwidth expectancy the minute where the ship, the end of the ship, basically the the buck stops with you, right? Yeah. And there's just so much that you have to think about, you know, all the, you have people's lives in your hands that you have to, all these ancillary things that are on your mind that, you know, if you were just an individual contributor, you didn't have to worry about, right?
3: You know, payroll every two weeks, that's the livelihood of your employees. Um, you, can, you can never miss payroll. I've never missed payroll. You, can, you do whatever it takes to make payroll uh, because at the end of the day, it's your employees' families. And you have to understand that um, this is a serious business. Taking investors' money, that is so serious. Um, and when I start my own companies, I always self-fund my own companies to start because I'm like, there's no way I'm risking other people's monies on my crazy ideas. Um, so just like understanding the serious factor of this, uh, of building companies and the, the sexiness of entrepreneurship over the last couple of years, uh, is sort of a pet peeve of mine that I I try to kind of come back and say, it's not sexy. Um, and if you don't like working every second, it's not going to be fun. So, uh, and you have to, you have to understand that People are everything. Culture is everything, and the way that I build my teams is it's people first. I work for my employees. They're not there to serve me. Uh, and when you flip that mindset, you sometimes have success. So that's my mindset.
1: I love that. You mentioned a little bit uh, earlier that that you're in the middle of a raise. Uh, do you maybe want to speak a little bit more? Are you nearing the close of that? Are you looking for a couple more investors?
3: Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a tough market out there during a recession. Whether Probably the government the or the government <laughs> <laughs> say it's a recession yeah. or not, uh, I did a pre-seed round a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm now doing a seed round. Um, I have an amazing group of investors. I'm in the back half of this seed round. Um, I'm just looking for people that um, you know really believe in what we're doing and see the upside of of parallel. And uh, kind of want to join a rocket ship and build the next big platform. So if there is interest, uh, feel free to find me on LinkedIn, send me an email, chris at pluto.ventures. Um, I'm happy to chat. And um, for me, when I'm, when I'm building investors and or when I'm building my team and bringing investors on, uh, the f- most important thing is, is the people. Um, and if it has to mesh. The culture has to mesh. Uh, with my investors, it's a one-on-one with me. I'm the one giving you updates. Um, everything has to work for these companies to, to actually take off. So if there's anyone interested, please send me a message. Um, I just closed actually an Investor uh, yesterday. Uh, so things are actually happening quite quickly uh, for us.
1: Awesome. And we'll put those details for everyone listening uh, in, the, in the show description here. Chris, thank you. Thank you for taking you know an hour out of your extremely busy 100-hour week. Uh, I can't this was an awesome talk uh, topic to talk about I mean I can confidently say that I talked to someone that actually measured every human bone across the planet right
3: <laughs> that, that would be us <laughs> we've done things that we know measurements that no human needs to know for toe sizes and everything you can imagine so um, thank you so much for having me I've really enjoyed the conversation uh, thank you so much
1: awesome thank you Chris thank you Jessica and that'll wrap up our session for today
0: Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner, with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWhales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show and your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.